This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast, Rog. From Men in Blazers World Headquarters. This is? Yes. Not just any world headquarters, and world headquarters in which we live in an era in which mummy is back. Oh, Rebecca Lowe is back, Rog. Back in a mo, back in a mo, back in a mo, back in a mo. That mo? Yeah. The longest mo, David. It was a long mo. Lasted a long time, that mo. Yeah. I've got to say, I cannot describe to you the thumping joy with which my heart received the visage of Rebecca Lowe back on the Premier League set. I think your obsession with Rebecca Lowe is starting to become a little unhealthy. It's not just mine. Okay. I think all people who love football in this country yeah. just, uh, just felt better about life, Dave, and not yeah. just about the Premier League. In fact, I want to speak to scientists who listen to this podcast because am I imagining this or is there a phenomenon called the Rebecca Lowe effect where everything, everything in the world feels more positive and possible just because Rebecca Lowe's back in our lives? I just want to prepare you, though, Rog, because at some point, NBC are bound to pull her off the football and put her on a big sport like cycling or diving or archery or, the or Meekham, something. Or, or the Meekham Motor Auctions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah or, or, the, or the, the Yeah, the deer hunting. She might be on that. With Babe Winkleman or whatever his name is, his but, hunting show. But while we've got her, I do yeah. want to know Pro about this Rebecca Lowe effect. Because I believe I'm not alone in this. And I would like scientists to study Arsenal fans as a yeah. good control group of lab rats to test this theory, David. Yeah. But I must say, NBC's coverage this weekend was possibly the greatest it's going to be all season. Do you know why? Why? Rebecca Lowe, back. Oh. And the Men in Blazers show, not Not on. Not back. Very important. And thanks to the international break. Yeah. Who invented the international break, David, by the way? Oh, Sepp Blatter. You think he did? Well, it was invented by FIFA. His devious. A mandated, a mandated global order for domestic leagues to not play so that people can play international friendlies and meaningless qualifiers. Do you know... Like, Only FIFA and Sepp Blatter could, could have that global power. In the great book of Genesis, yeah. when God is creating the world and it yeah. keeps saying, you know, created the sea, yeah. looked, and it was good. Yeah. Do you think when they invented the international break, do you think they really <laughs> sat back and went, oh, that was good? Or they, yeah. Oh my God, we just crapped it up and created yeah. world misery for millions. They did it on the rest day when they were like high as kites, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of like inventions other than the international break that are as negative as the international break anthrax yeah man-made mm-hmm. nuclear weapons yeah herbal life products yeah those are the only ones i come up <laughs> with david it's devastating yeah but because of the international break i guess every international break has a silver lining we're not back on screens until september the 12th well, david that's good news that's a good thing immediately after everton beat sunderland right after right yeah. j dubs right after and the bad news then for um, well for humanity really is we're then back on September the 16th yeah right after Liverpool thrashed Chelsea yeah at put goalie tweeted that's the most optimistic by the way I don't know what you've been drinking that's the most optimistic you've ever been forecasting both an Everton victory and a Chelsea loss before we go on the air usually it's the other way around you would only ever forecast an Everton loss and a Chelsea victory to Sci- make your life I will repeat scientists who are listening to this podcast yeah. am I imagining this or is there a thing yeah. called the Rebecca 
low it's effect. It's turned TV. you into a positive human being. It's amazing. <laughs> it really, really is amazing. At Put Goldie tweeted about our schedule. Yeah. He said, men in blazers, on for one week and then take a two-week holiday. Yeah. Question mark, question mark. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is true. It's called the Zlatan Ibrahimovic schedule. <laughs> And we follow it religiously. I want to talk to you about television, David. Because uh-huh. I walked into a bar on Saturday night. Yeah. And on the television screen, two words, Pat Sajak. Yeah. Wheel of Fortune was on. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen that show since I was 16 in the 1980s when I first came to Chicago on summer vacation. And I was just amazed by American television. And I would watch it all morning. I'd watch a show called Press Your Luck. Do you remember that one? Yeah, very Where good show. Where the contestants would shout, big bucks, whammies, stay yeah. at home. Yeah. Which were like my understanding of the two options of life in America. Yeah. Big Until bucks. that guy came on and he figured out the programming and he timed when he could either get the whammy or miss the whammy. I can't remember. And then the, <sighs> the show, he, he like ran the prize budget down on the show. He just won again and again and again and again. And Press Your Luck went on. So the, the young Bruce Arena. Yeah, it could have been. Could have Amazing. Been. Amazing. I love that story. He was a pilot or Navy guy, something. My question for you, Davo. Yeah. I mean, I was amazed by this man, Pat Sajak. That was mm-hmm. when I was 16. But how does a person, how does a Pat Sajak do what he does every day for 33 years? 33 years of, show me a C. Yeah. And are there any M's on the board? <laughs> How does that happen, David? How, how, what drives a human well, to do that? Well, in full disclosure, Wheel of Fortune is produced by Sony Pictures Television, the same organization that owns Embassy Row. Didn't know that. And I'm a former employee of Merv Griffin Enterprises. Merv. Uh, I love used, that name. And I used to work on Wheel of Fortune. There's not so enough Mervs actually, in the world. Not enough Mervs. You not worked on Wheel of Fortune yep. doing what? Yeah, I worked in the contestant department, uh, selecting the contestants on Wheel of Fortune early in my career. We're talking like 19... 19- 91 before I got my job at Disney. So as an infantryman yeah. who has glimpsed one of the greatest battles in history, the yeah. early days of Wheel of Fortune, yeah. give me a little Sajak. Give me colour. Well, I'm, Wheel saying, of, I, I'm trying to work out how I'll tell you what I would say about Wheel of Fortune. Excited or not. Number one, he doesn't work every day because like all successful game shows, they shoot multiple episodes in a day. So I think they do, they do either five or six episodes in a day on Wheel of Fortune. So they get through a lot of episodes. That's how we t- take the Men in Blazers case. <laughs> yeah, We've already exactly. done all this. See, we're halfway through <laughs> next season. I know. Congratulations, Manchester City, <laughs> on winning the title. <laughs> so it's a... Um, so he tapes multiple episodes in one day, and during a sort of a four-day taping period, they'll get through 20 to 25 episodes done. So he shoots an entire year, and I don't know what it is. Maybe they do about 175, 190 episodes, something like that. They get through a whole year in a period of months, like nothing. What does he do with the rest of his life? Spends the Emptiness. fortune Dread. he owns, Rod. He earns a freaking fortune on that show. Because even though it looks incredibly easy, he's been incredibly successful at it. Wheel of Fortune has been the number one show for ever and ever and ever. That and uh, that and Jeopardy, and he does it very, very well. What does he spend it on? There's Don Garber there. <coughs> Would he like to buy an MLS franchise? Uh, Say Jack's an interesting guy. I mean, he's got a lot of interests. Very interested in politics. Uh, <laughs> Rod, he's very, uh, he's very into politics. He's interested in a lot of things. He's a lovely, lovely, friendly, warm. Uh, man, no, really, it's not what I was looking for. No, he is. He's a really, really nice guy. He's one of the business's nice guys. I still love watching Wheel of Fortune. He looks one bored. of the keys to that show is bored. selecting contestants 
who are a little bit behind the home audience in terms of being able to solve the clue. So everybody feels like I'd be amazing on it because they're sort of a little bit ahead of the contestants. That's how Antonio Conte um, chooses Chelsea players. Uh, Okay, Rog, we've got a packed show. We're going to break down Manchester United's last gasp win against powerhouse Hull City to stay perfect. I don't know about perfect. Uh, We recap the 1-1 draw in the Premier League's equivalent of a pickup truck versus a sports car, Tottenham and Liverpool. And we talk a third win a piece for Pep Guardiola and Antonio Conte and a raven on the home solo situation. That's a very good uh, use of the word situation. Okay, Rog, to the football. Let's crack open the Guinness. You're still drinking your draft out of the black can, Rog. It's mother's milk, David. It's still very, very warm outside, so I'm going for a Guinness blonde, uh, Rog. This is... Guinness's American Lager. As I cheers you. For summer. Can I just say, nine wins in nine games for the traditional big three. Yeah. United, City and Chelsea, all under new leadership. Yeah. Eight Premier League months lie ahead of us. Are we all ready in a three-horse race? See, once again, you're confusing me. You're just trying to confuse me, Rog. I don't know where you stand. It's the Daily Mail sensational headlinism inside of me (laughs) trying to frame that, David. I don't think that is the case for a second, but let's dive on it. Yeah, well, no, it's just similar to the one of surely Hull can't go all the way, but remember we said the same (laughs) thing about Leicester City. It's like, oh. Okay, to the football. We're now 3.38s of the way through the Premier League season. That does not reduce, Rog, and a Portuguese, a Spaniard, and an Italian walk into their new clubs, and they have won three oh, on the spin. I thought you were going to tell me a Jewish joke. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me a joke when you walked into a bar, but it was just all about Wheel of Fortune, Rog. Okay, we start in Hull. Hull City nil. Manchester United won. The Battle of the Unbeatens ends just like Jose drew it up. A 92nd-minute goal from 18-year-old substitute Marcus Rashford keeps United's 100% start intact and, in the words of Arlo White, sends them into the international break in fine fettle. Oh, top of the table clash. Yeah. Two of the last perfect records. Could these sides be more different, David? United, a team with an official snack partner and the ability to splash $120 million on one player. Whole. The only move in this window, one free transfer in. Peterborough's Jonathan Edwards. 14 fit senior players, but sod all that, because they have started their season using adversity as a fuel to forge a collective sense of us against all odds wonder. And so this was a big matchup, Davo. Mourinho against Mike Phelan. Yeah. Paul Pogba against Tom Huddleston. And in Hunger Games terms, Davo, this was as close as we'll ever get to watching District 12 play the capital. I was excited for this game. I was excited for this game and I was not disappointed. For a game that was nil-nil, deep into injury time, Rog, it was a barn burner. The game began as we thought it would. Hull, with all the determination of an Airedale Terrier, eager to fight for their cause, covering their makeshift defence, hoping to nick a chance. And they got one quickly, thanks to Marouane Fellaini careening around the field with the menace of a disgruntled children's entertainer. Gave away a free kick. Upstep one of your favourite players of this season so far, David. Real Madrid certainly looking very hard at Robert Snodgrass. Uh, Rog, what what a left foot this guy has. Roberto Snodgrass. Roberto Snodgrass. And the Scott just inches wide. United try to do what they do. Project class, menace, intent. I've got to say, I do love watching Zlatan trot around the final third. I'm beginning to believe he mentally thinks 
that he's playing the game by some kind of ancient Japanese warrior code. Like in his own head, he's got this own like ghost dog, the way of the samurai, this monologue going on in his head. Yeah. Yoshido, the way of the warrior. <laughs> he steps aside. He's, it's, he's just playing a completely different kind of game to everyone around them. But with him, Rooney, Fellaini. <laughs> Do you remember that Mata. old show, Kung Fu? That used to be on TV when we were kids. Hong Kong Fui. No, Kung Fu. David uh, Carradine. David Carradine. Dine, whatever his name was. But he would go into the desert and he would have visions. Yes. And later on, he would, he would, he would be in fights, but he'd had a vision in the desert already of, of what he needed to do, where he needed to be, and that would help him in his Kung Fu. Yes. That's what Zlatan's yeah, been doing. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he's thinking. The high I don't think he's thinking. Mourinho's told me I need to play it tight through the middle. We've got to break through the flank. I think he's just like, the villagers are revolting. The band of samurai come over yes. the hill to enforce Japanese Zlatan samurai warrior bun. code. Yeah, it's really yeah. playing a Kung different Fu. game. I but love it. Irrespective, him, Rooney, Fellaini, Mata, no pace. And Rooney, my lord, particularly sloppy. Bill Gates has given away less this year than Wayne Rooney. <laughs> Anthony Marshall just looks more miserable than ever. It wasn't clicking at all for United. It wasn't clicking, but for me, from the very beginning of the game, unlike Manchester United 2014-2015, there was an endeavour, an energy, a frenetic passion on display by Manchester United. And, by the way, to give them credit, from Hull City, who, I've got to tell you, these are a bunch of players who sort of been forgotten the Tom Huddlestones who you mentioned earlier, the Robert Snodgrasses, people don't, Curtis Davises, that they don't appear hugely rated. Their captain, their centre-back, Michael Dawson, their number one centre-back, is out. He can't even play for them. You've got Jake uh, Livermore. Right You've got Jake in. Livermore coming from midfield playing at centre-back. He's saying, lads, I was crap as a midfielder. I can be crap as a centre-back. He's too. actually I'm pretty good as a centre-back, though. That's the point, Rod. Their whole played fantastically well as well. And this, for me, would have been a game that Manchester United would have lost interest in very early on in the Van Gaal reign. And I just felt they just kept on pressing, kept on pressing, kept on pressing, kept on pressing. And uh, even if they not got the goal at the end, I thought that it was a pretty impressive performance. It's a great shot of the United bench in the rain at the end of the first half. Mkhitaryan flanked by Herrera, Young, Schneiderlin, all just looking as miserable as a Medigliani painting, stupefied that Wayne Rooney had been selected over any one of them. But then the second half began. Probably the best thing that happened to United all day. Roberto Snodgrass doubled up with injury. Sight akin to watching the Rebels lose Luke Skywalker just before he'd been selected to fire proton torpedoes into Mm -hmm. a thermal exhaust port and take out the Death Star. I mean, without him, United could pretty well run the field and they did take an upper hand. The whole faithful bellowed their hearts out whenever their team came close to the halfway line, which they rarely did in that second half. Do you remember, there was an English 1970s children's television show, Bagpuss, I think it was called, where the the heroes were mice dressed up in little human outfits who'd always save the day. Large chunks of that second half, it seemed to me there were just hundreds of little frantic rodents playing real Manchester United football stars and holding them off, little mice holding them at bay. Against all odds, Dave, did you think, United would score because they were thrown on Mkhitaryan. They were thrown on Rashford. Made an impact. No, I thought Hull were going to hold on. Honestly, I thought Hull were going to hold on. 
Uh, and actually, I don't think it would have been a discredit to Manchester United had they, and Mo, Mourinho said as much after the game, I don't think it would have been a discredit to Manchester United if Hull had hold on. And certainly, I don't think it would have been an unfair result. Hull defended so, so well. They showed such commitment. They threw their bodies at the ball. Like I love watching teams like Hull defend like that in the Premier League. They weren't dirty. They weren't playing like Stoke Rodge. They weren't playing like West Bromwich Albion. They were playing honest honest stand-up defence and it was great to go and see. So Mkhitaryan came on, did make a difference, charging, adding thrust to the midfield. The best chances fell to Marcus Rashford, oh so close. Pogba at the death had an amazing chance, couldn't take it. But you remember back in the apex of the Sir Alex Ferguson days, you would watch United. Mm. His United were always fitter than those around them and they never gave up. And time and time again, They'd be down. They'd find a way to get back into the game. They'd often find, with their backs against the wall, a late, late goal that would win a game crushingly. And so again, in the 92nd minute, Rooney spent most of the game lumbering around like Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler. He just sprung to life. Yeah, and once again, fantastic ball. Uh, and Rashford, the kid, Rog. Mourinho, oh, that takes a lot of criticism for some of the, the ways he manages players, particularly the way he manages young players. But... However he's handled Marcus Rashford not starting, not getting to play really at all this season, he brings him on, key moment, key game, uh, and he bags them three points. Surrounded by defenders, but he wouldn't be denied. A child, still only 18 years of age, David, and he's already experienced Marcus Rashford, the second coming. I mean, yet to kiss a girl, David, mm. twice a hero for this team. I mean... <laughs> I saw in the post-match interviews, he wears braces, for God's sake, on his top and his bottom teeth, like my kids. I mean, he is the footballing version of Eleven from Stranger Things. He's bombits for age. And he is a Premier League footballing hero. At Leo Nova <laughs> tweeted us and said, just think how good Rashford will be when United sell him and buy him back for 10 times the price in a few years' time. Uh, yeah. Ultimately, three points for Man United. You mentioned Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, Jose Mourinho, this is what he did uh, during title-winning campaigns. He managed to eke out 1-0 results when they didn't seem uh, possible. And I think you can throw a lot of criticisms at the Man United performance, why they didn't break down Hull earlier, why they did, weren't quite uh, firing on all cylinders. But ultimately, these are the kind of games that you have to win, whether it's three games into the season or whether it's 25 games into the season or whether it's in the final few weeks. These are the games... You have to win away in the Premier League in order to win the title. Thank you, Marcus Rashford, Manchester United's Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Three games, three wins for Jose Mourinho. Not against the toughest opposition, it should be said. But wow, and we'll talk about it later. The Manchester derby now looms September the 10th. And the biggest challenge for me for Mourinho this season, David, is just managing needs and ego. I mean, in the post-match, he kept referring relentlessly to Marcus Rashford as the kid. I mean, a calculated decision to signal to him and to the rest of the players what his medium-term strategy is. He said, just because Marcus was the match winner doesn't make me change my mind. I have two weeks until our next match. I have to analyse everything. I don't know if he will start. He could play. He could be on the bench. I mean, these are signals that are sent to Zlatan, sent to Rooney, Ultimately, one of whom is probably going to have to sit uh, in, in the medium term, David. But yeah. man management, with these egos, with these size of stars, watching Wayne Rooney really lollop around the field for huge 
chunks of that game and not be substitutable clearly for political reasons. Yeah. It's going to be a fascinating piece of man management. And to yet watch two off. games in a row, Rooney has ended up playing the key ball that led to uh, you know, a Man United goal. So it's, it's, it's a difficult situation. I think Mourinho has already said that he's longing for European football to start, for the Europa League to start, so that his team have more games, so he has more opportunities for his entire squad. And you talk about managing ego. It seems the biggest ego that Jose has to manage is his own. Uh, he's <laughs> his own worst enemy when it comes to these things. How uh, I felt for Hull City. Hope Solo would have given them her highest accolade. Uh, yeah, probably. She would have called them cowards. They just defended magnificently. They were organised. They were tenacious. They had mental strength. Curtis Davis. Oh, absolutely phenomenal. 29 mm. shots rained down upon their goal. At Redville tweeted us, is Hull City the premiership version of the producer's springtime for Hitler? <laughs> I'm not sure, because it doesn't get any easier for Hull. In their next five games, they play... Arsenal, Liverpool and Chelsea is three of them. So let's enjoy them while they can. We got a great letter from Gilbert Monterosa who says, I'm an Arsenal fan. This season, I've fallen in love with Hull City. They've become my second club. I wanted to send you this because here's what I believe an 80s hairband shout out to Hull City would sound like. Hull City, Hull City, Hull City! Amazing stuff, Rog. It's <laughs> very random. It is a bit random. Love, I'm getting really into Hull. What would Dee Schneider think of Hull City? That's <laughs> fine. I love GFOPs. Hull City. Yeah. Hull City. <laughs> okay, Rog. Tottenham won. Liverpool won. A game that promised goals, goals, goals. Sees each team's left back get on the score sheet. A first half James Milner penalty. And a 72nd minute Danny Rose strike leaves the score knotted at one, a peculiar game of football, Roger. Yeah, at Tim Kelschner tweeted in to tell us Spurs versus Liverpool, or as it should be known, the Southampton Memorial Cup. Yeah. Oh, interesting. For Liverpool, third consecutive Premier League away game as they finalise their stadium reconstruction. The big pre-game story, Daniel Sturridge, who'd made it clear through the media, didn't want to play the wing for Jurgen Klopp. He got his dream come true. He didn't make the team at all. <laughs> And the game was one of, it was a weird game, twitchy pace, thumping tackles, helter-skelter, like watching dogs in the first seconds after they were let off their leash at a dog park. Yeah. But from the off, it was Liverpool creating chances of all that pace, all that movement, dominating the midfield, Spurs sluggish, Christian Eriksen numb compared to Mane snarling Chris Dynamo. Yeah, I don't know how Philippe Coutinho didn't score uh, with that golden chance he had early on. Yeah, Vorm making the save with the goal gaping. At his mercy. In fact, Spurs were kept in the game by understudy Vorm. Two sweeper-keeper thunderous challenges against the constant menace that was Mane. I love Vorm, David. I was about to say, he's my favourite backup goalkeeper in the Premier League. I love him ever since he was at Swansea. I love his greased hair. He looks like a silent movie matinee idol. Mm. Watching him charge out of the area with his perfect anticipation. Felt like Pep Guardiola was watching at home just shouting, Porn! 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 (laughs) At the television. Took 26 minutes for my Fantasy eleven to blow up. Yeah. Yours too. Yeah. Kyle Walker. Yeah. Limping off to be replaced by a tactical shuffle. Vincent Jansen coming on. Spurs mm. go two up top. Yet they remained uncharacteristically uncalibrated, especially in the final third. Harry Kane. He's there in body, but not in goal-scoring mind. Yeah. Something not right about Harry Kane ever since 
the Euros. Remember, this time last year, we were talking about his potential sophomore slump. He hadn't scored yet, and then he started scoring a bunch of them. But he, he definitely looked better at this time last season. He just is something not quite there with him right now. He's and something not quite ticking with Tottenham. That engine does not seem to be turning over in the right him way. Him playing behind uh, Janssen definitely yeah. doesn't bring out the best of him. But an amazing statistic, Harry Kane is tied with you and me and all you listeners for the number of goals he scored in the Premier League in August. Zero, David. Yeah, tough, tough opening month for Harry Kane. On 42 minutes, the frenzy came to a boil. Firmino charged into the area. Mm. Lamella, hot pursuit. Yeah, and he clips his, uh, his back ankle penalty given, uh, Rog. And of course, everyone's favourite penalty taker for Liverpool, James Milner, uh, steps up to take the kick. But, pff, oh ye of little faith, uh, he knocks it in. Gave it bifters to James Milner. And that goal celebration... The kind of quiet two-finger microwave. Yeah, he's not practised that. So repressed. It's possibly the most English touchdown celebration of all time. Yeah. Second half, languid affair, edged by Liverpool. But around the 65th minute, Spurs did what they did in the first game of the season against Everton. They came alive. And from a broken play, uh, ball knocked across the area a couple of times, ends up breaking to Danny Rose on the left quite a finish actually didn't look that good in real time but when you looked at the replay hits it sweetly with the outside of his foot uh 1-1 yeah i mean in terms of that goal it's liverpool wilting and unfortunately for their fans the most familiar of ways james milner beaten at left back as out of place as ann coulter at a comedy central roast <laughs> and eric dyer just in acres of space who found rose who had nothing but time to beat mignolet with a driven slice see this part of the season, one thing is clear. Liverpool left-back has already replaced the historical term Achilles heel in the old phraseology. Their defence is the only thing I can think of that is worse than Ryan Lochte's. And poor Jurgen Klopp just slumped, deflated on the sideline. It looks terrible. I think it's the T-shirt, David. It's not a good look for the man. Yeah. It's tight. I mean, it's difficult. I, uh, a lot of my friends are Liverpool fans and spent some time talking to them this weekend. The thing that they're most confounded by is Liverpool looks so good with the ball they sort of they sort of press they're going forward they're interchanging there's all this movement but what Klopp is really known for is that the way that his teams play without the ball the Gagan pressing certainly in the second half it just sort of stops and they stop having that kind of movement stop having that kind of pressing and Tottenham always one of the fittest teams under Mauricio Pochettino they just looked physically stronger fitter more movement towards the end of that game can I say a word about T-shirts <laughs> on men over the age of 40? Yeah, it is a struggle. And do you wear T-shirts? Sometimes, but it's... What I wear them to work. I wear them to work out on. I sometimes wear them with shorts, but it's difficult. T-shirts just don't look the same on you as they do when you're younger. Because Klopp has got all his managers wearing yeah. the, the, uh, the New Balance T-shirt. And when I was 40, my wife taught me a side. We were on vacation uh-huh. at the time, and she kindly did this in private. She told me grueling words which still burn my ears in pain as I repeat them to you. She just whispered, your T-shirt wearing days, they're over. <laughs> and what did you substitute that with, a polo shirt? Because uh, polo shirts have some of the same problems. She made me wear Lacoste and Fred Perry's only. Uh-huh. And I have a massive, I, I mean, I really appreciate it. I can I have a massive T-shirt okay. collection, enormous. Uh-huh. From like when I first came to America yeah. and I was a camp counsellor of six-year-old boys and they were so obese I could steal their T-shirts. Amazing ones I've got from those kids. Hershey Kiss t-shirt that's just so beautifully, they can't wear it anymore. Uh, and I know I'm not alone. Jurgen Klopp 
I have known you for more than 10 years and I've never seen you wear a T-shirt. Never. Not allowed. Legally not allowed, David. Interesting. And so when I look at Jurgen Klopp in his long sleeve T-shirt, with his, I must say he's got bizarrely low-slung nipples. They're like, start halfway up his torso. Uh-huh. They must be German nipples. Bruce Fadson! Yeah. I just started to think about the memory of my T-shirt collection, which is now in storage. At Aspect Ratio Ross tweeted in and say, I recommend breast petals for you. <laughs> I've never <laughs> gone in for the long sleeve T-shirt. Occasionally as an underlayer yep. during during fall and winter golf, but I've never gone in for the long sleeve T-shirt. Look. No, it's crazy. Yeah, don't enjoy it. I didn't particularly enjoy this game, Davey, yeah. to be candid, and both teams will feel at the end that they should have won. I mean, Liverpool were so comfortable until Spurs sprang to life uh, with 25 minutes to go. Before the game, they would have taken the draw at Spurs. My God. But the nature of the way they conceded, coupled with that lingering memory of the Burnley debacle, which will make the international weekend feel melancholy and anxiety-producing. Overall, it was frustrating, David. I mean, no one was embarrassed in this game, but no team made a statement, really. Yeah, and it's a shame. I love watching Tottenham Football Club, and we talked about it before. We both have a bit of a soft spot uh, for Tottenham. Love watching them play last season. But they started this season, there's something somewhat uncertain about their football. Liverpool more certain going forward, but just defensively, just not looking uh, that resilient. Spurs definitely lightweight up top with Kane, heavy leg. And they're either hungover from last season's collapse or tired still individually from the Euros, irrespective, huge concern uh, for their fans. And Liverpool, they are an enigma. Sputtering machine, capable of magic, dodgy bowels back there in defence. Although I thought Matip, the debutant, was excellent. And this Daniel Sturridge, weirdness, piece of flapping skin, his disbelieving stare on the sideline when he wasn't subbed in, and his hand-over-the-mouth final conversation with Danny Rose yeah, his mate. at the whistle. They're just not a look, good look for him or for the club. I mean, him briefing the media against his manager, never a good sign. One final And the phone, and listening to the call-in shows on British Radio after the game, Rog, and the call-in shows, Liverpool fans just incredibly upset that Sturridge isn't playing. Talking about people not playing, one final Tottenham Hotspur piece of business last week. DeAndre Yedlin left the club, joining Newcastle yeah. in the championship. Played just once for Spurs in his two years there. The Americans are all going to the northeast, Rog. It's good, it's good a hotbed for American soccer talent. <laughs> Gooch, Guzan, now DeAndre joining them. Oh, it's like the new colonies, David. Yeah. Um, but with Kyle Walker and Kieran Trippier ahead of him at Spurs, Yedlin was not making the match day squad. He will at Newcastle and he'll definitely learn a lot about the defensive side of his game from Rafa Benitez. We wish him well. At MA Creations tweeted us and said, DeAndre Yedlin in Newcastle, the real story of Santiago Munez is about to begin. Yeah, they're in fourth place in the championship currently. Uh, Rog, okay. Some proper football here. Manchester City 3, West Ham 1. A pair of smooth Raz Finishes, Rog. Yeah, I said Raz finishes and a thundering Fernandinho header and Pep Guardiola, a third win on the bounce. City continue to set the pace early, leading Chelsea and United on goal difference. Let's just begin with uh, an update on this week in Joe Hart's misery. Yeah. Oh, don't sell Joe Hart. Yeah. Super Joey Hart. I just don't think you understand, sang the City faithful midweek during Joe Hart's last game. In the City jersey. Yeah, after which they proceeded to sell him immediately, or at least loan him. Our long national nightmare is over with news that Joey Hart 
is about to become Giuseppe Hart. Yeah. A season-long loan to Torini. Oh, a team who came 12th in Serie A last season. I don't know how to begin to make sense of any of this, David. I think he thinks he was going to Juventus, Rog, <laughs> and he's very unhappy that he's going to the other side in Turin. Joe Hart to Torino is the most surreal business move since Adam Levine did an infomercial for Proactive. I just don't understand any piece of it. And it's particularly galling because City announced last week that they are going to construct a glass tunnel. And who do you want in that glass tunnel if you're going to sell tickets to people to watch, to sit outside the glass tunnel? They're going to build business suites either side of the tunnel, yeah, build VIP a glass seating. tunnel. VIPs can watch the players limber out the locker room. Yeah. It's what Alanis Morissette would have said. It's like rain on your wedding day. Well, Mate. Without Joe Hart, who, who wants to see that? All I can say is football is a cold, hard business. We'll talk about that again in relation to a goalkeeper later in the pod. Claudio Bravo will soon be the City fan's new hero. Mm. Fantastic piece by Adam Bate on how modern goalkeepers are categorised into the A-type yeah. or the R-type, the anticipatory type and the reactionary type. Yeah. And most goalkeepers are reactors, shot stoppers. Yeah, like Joe Hart. It's crucial for Pep City that their goalkeeper and their backline are always anticipating. Yeah, that they start the attack from the back, uh, Rog. But they really didn't need Willy Caballero to, uh, to mount the attack. The quality going <laughs> forward was so good from the outset, Rog. And Raz, reborn, Rog, reborn Raz. I'll tell you, oh. if Pep Guardiola does nothing else this season, the play he's getting out of Raz uh, is, is kind of shocking. He's the guy that put them 1-0 ahead. I mean, at first 30 minutes of City football, I mean, just muscled self-confidence. They charged at a skittish West Ham. Yes, maybe one missing Fagouli, Carol, are you? Cresswell, producer <laughs> J-Dubs and Payette. Yeah. And no new arrival, Prancing Pony Zaza. Yeah, but West Ham God. missing Andy Carroll is not exactly a shock. They Rose. couldn't hold the ball and they yeah. definitely couldn't knock Kun Aguero off it. Fernandinho just serving the ball forward whenever he took control of it. And I'll say, David Silva, what yeah. a delight. He's back again. Such an honour to watch that man play. His intelligence, his movement, his willingness to mine crevices of space that others don't see. So good to have him back at peak performance. I feel like we almost take him for granted, but there's no more poetic player when on form. And in the seventh minute, he ambled through the gut of the West Ham defence and just unlocked it. Yeah, uh, and the ball ends up uh, with Raz. And Raz... <laughs> Finishes it off himself. A newly got the smile on the young boy's face, uh, Rog. He's as shocked as anyone that he's playing well. Shocked that he's playing well. Shocked that he actually wants the ball. Shocked that he's playing. Feet. Last season, if you remember watching Raz, he'd almost try and hide when City had the ball in the final third. Now he wants it. Now he demands it. He's hungry for it. He's got that pluck that made him such an impudent little pickpocket during that great season at Liverpool. And the elements of that goal, the pace, the movement, the collective sharp-edged intent, that is the pep effect, Dave. And his fingerprints were all over that goal. Zabaleta and Clichy tucking in, leaving the space. And this is perfect for Raz. It's what Raz needs. Raz doesn't like to be double-teamed. He doesn't like too many players because he's just going to run into them. Uh, if he's just got one player to go and beat, Raz is very, Can very imagine happy. Raz talking about that in the yeah. tactical... Raz don't want it like... Yeah. Ricky, Ricky Henderson, yeah. the Queen and Hitler were the only people who used to refer to themselves in the third person. I've yeah. talked about it on the pod before. My uh -huh. favourite Ricky Henderson quote of all time, told the Sports Illustrated journalist, Ricky Henderson don't like it when Ricky Henderson's limo is late. Yeah. I can imagine Raz being like, Raz likes it when Raz 
Raz gets yeah. the ball on his feet. Yeah. Raz don't like it when Raz yeah. has to wait. Raz doesn't like playing against two men. Yeah. Raz likes going against one. Raz, Raz, Raz approves of Squaliola's tucking into the fullbacks. Raz likes to have a strawberry milkshake at half time. <laughs> <laughs> and McDonald's uh, French fries, supersized. Oh, it would soon be. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Raz would definitely have liked it yeah. when it soon became 2-0 yeah it became 2-0 Kevin I mean, De Bruyne what, what a ball from Kev what a ball uh, from Kev I mean, I'm, watching hard, it. I'm watching it and you know you referred earlier uh, to the uh, joke about Rashford is going to uh, leave Man United then they're going to have to buy him back for 20 times the amount and I was watching Kevin De Bruyne play and I was thinking what did he not indicate to Jose Mourinho that made him dispensable at Chelsea Football Club? I mean, his quality is such a phenomenal footballer. I love watching him play, Rog. His set-piece delivery. Yeah. It's like watching Drew Brees pass the ball to Brandon Cooks. It's that accurate. Yeah. I mean, he just dropped the ball onto Fernandinho's head. Yeah. And Fernandinho just nutted it. It was a fantastic uh, finish from a fantastic ball. 2-0. Yes, we're just three games in. Yes, he might have spent three squillion dollars since he arrived in Manchester, but that first 30 minutes felt like the most cohesive, tactically adept football I've seen all season. My game notes at this point, they just say, I wish Pep Guardiola was my life coach. It's so funny because my notes were, I'm actually enjoying watching Manchester City, which I haven't enjoyed watching, even in the uh, Premier League uh, title winning season, I didn't enjoy watching Man City. I loved watching this team play football. Why is it that life coaches are most often people who've just failed in every other professional setting and just taken the role on out of complete desperation? I was back in Liverpool recently and a kid I went to school with is now a life coach and he lives in his mum and dad's garden in a tent. (laughs) I don't know who would hire him. (laughs) Well, the problem is, is if you're going to be... If you're really a great life coach, your number one client is yourself... And you life coach yourself to have success in another field yep. so that you don't need a life coach. Yep. So just being a life coach itself means that you have ended up as a life yep. coach. If you can do it, do. do it. If you can't do it, teach. And if you can't teach, become a life coach. Become a life coach and live in your mum and dad's garden in a tent. Oh, but all of the plaudits that we rained on to City, Dave. Total footballs back. John Stone strolling into the midfield, mm. knocking balls around. Cunaguero mm. tracking back. Fernandinho, oh, so direct, so deadly. For much of the first half, to be candid, West Ham just seemed completely disinterested, eager to head back south. I used to play rugby for Liverpool College, and there's a school that we played, St. Anselm's, who always whacked us, just annihilated us. It was always 72-0 or 86-4, whatever. We used to hate playing them. And at halftime, we'd get into the locker room, and we'd all pretend to be injured. And we'd only be able to put 10 men on the field for the second half. It was like cold and we were miserable and they were bigger than us and stronger. And you didn't really want... That's how West Ham seemed in this game. Yeah. But just when it seemed like an NFL score blowout was on the cards, Billich tweaked the formation, pulled off the shell shot, Gokan Torre, went to five at the back, shoved Antonio further towards the final. Miguel Antonio. In that attacking space where he really belongs, Dave. And pretty much the first time West Ham moved forward with guile and confidence, they scored. Yeah, look, Pep isn't used to this. At Barcelona, at Bayern Munich, he's used to just obliterating teams and then never coming back. In the Premier League with a 2-0 lead, uh, you still have to have your foot on the gas. you still got to press forward. They eased back. They stopped chasing the ball as hard as they were uh, before they went up 2-0. Ball crossed in uh, from the left. Rog, Pff, Miguel Antonio rises majestically 
uh, to head it home. England, I Mikel know. Antonio, bullying yeah. the City defence. Yeah. Willie, Gaia. whose main tactical mandate, it became clear, is just to embarrass Joe Hart rather yeah. than keep goal, did nothing. And for a long time, game looked like it was on. City sputtering. Alleys they once ran down freely became cul-de-sacs. Their imagination seemed spent. Mikel Antonio, God love him, charging forward, propelling City back, exposing Kolarov at the back after he'd come on for Stones. But there was a huge chunk of that second half where it felt that City were holding on. Stones getting pulled. That was interesting. Getting man-managed by Pep. Getting pepped, uh, Rog. He's no Ashley Williams. Yeah, yeah, definitely, Rog. Eventually, Man City got the breakthrough, Rog. They put the game away. Fantastic third goal, Rog. Once again, Raheem Sterling. Um, you know, the confidence with which he made and finished that goal. Amazing stuff. In the dying embers of the game. I mean, City have won two games, 3-1 and 4-1, but with many, many concerns. Um, the score lines flatter them, I would say, greatly for huge chunks of the second halves of both games. And the most significant moment in this one, perhaps, projecting forward, 76 minutes in, a washbish Kunaguero elbowing Winston Reid mm-hmm. out of frustration in the side of the head. The referee, Andre Mariner, <laughs> pretended not to see it. Mm-hmm. West Ham 2-1 down against 10-men City, Dave. They would have fancied their chances there. As it is, Football Association will probably on Wednesday take retrospective action. And if Aguero is found guilty of violent conduct, he'll miss the clash of clashes. Old Trafford, September 10th, as one of the three games he'll be banned for. I cannot wait for the Manchester derby, David. Yeah, no, it's going to be amazing to see uh, Mourinho and Pep go against each other. All of these stars on the field, Zlatan, uh, Rog, uh, seeing you know what Man City can go and do against the best team they will have played against so far this season. Mourinho will look at that Antonio goal, just a big man and Man City's defence unable to cope with him and think Fellaini, Zlatan, Pogba, all my big boys, set pieces are going to be the key. Whatever, it's going to make the Battle of the Bastards seem dull in comparison. Raz and Rashford battling to play the role, no doubt, of Rick on start. At Alice Snazzy, tweeted in, this is the Battle of the Bastards. If Joffrey and Ramsey had battled, there's no Jon Snow in a Manchester derby. Producer J-Dub suggested that Pep and Jose actually be more like the dynasty in Heat, De Niro, Pacino, just chatting together. One more for old time's sake. Interesting, interesting stuff, Rog. Uh, Fascinated to hear what you think about how Jon Stones uh, played, but perhaps we'll talk about that later. Played great. Okay, Rog. (laughs) Chelsea three, Burnley nil. Let me just say that again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to anticipate one of your later comments. Chelsea three, it was only Burnley nil. Antonio Conte likely still recovering after celebrating goals for Maiden Hazard. Willian and wait for it. Victor Moses, Rog Burnley and our mate Dave Fishwick come back to earth with a thud after the Clarets victory over Liverpool last weekend. Yeah, emboldened a little after that 2-0 victory. Burnley or Burnley as Antonio Conte kept calling them. Barnley. Barnley, I loved it. Barnley. They played two men up front, bold gambit, too bold. Because I've got to say, David, this was the game Chelsea really started to unfurl. What Conte described after the game is the idea of, quote, our football, the football style 
he wants to play. We really saw it in this game. Well, I mean, the football style he wants to play, greatly helped by Eden Hazard dribbling half the length of the pitch and knocking the ball in perfectly to the left-hand corner to start the whole thing off. That is, uh, it's, it's not like, I don't think, I think any manager would want to play that style of football. You just need Eden Hazard in that kind of form and that kind of confidence to go and do it. And whatever Conte has done after the game, Eden Hazard made a comment that it's, you know, it's different with Conte because we're playing for a guy who actually played football. Essentially, I paraphrase what he said. But whatever he's done, he's getting a performance performance out of the Belgian the big bottom Belgian small Rog and that really kicked off the game for Chelsea when he runs at his fastest he seems to be charging downhill on a skateboard and everyone's just running after him I mean he looks tan he looks cut Eden Hazard his bottom looks pert yeah like a perfect globe yeah on each cheek it's large but it's very firm because when I look at him yeah I just think wow a year off yeah. Everybody said oh, it's gap year. Yeah. Every player should get a gap Footballing year. Footballing sabbatical. Yeah. Take one because he is a man revitalised, Davo. Six goals for Eden in his last eight Premier League appearances, having not scored in the 29 games before that. And it's not just him that emboldened. William, Oscar, Flicks, Dominance. Yeah. The Smalls, all of the Chelsea Smalls playing very, very good football again. It's just like back to their title winning season. Just fantastic energy. Uh, very solid at the back, very, very solid uh, defensively, Rog. And, um, you know, got to give uh, the big man up front credit, Diego Costa running around with so much energy, so much venom, so much uh, animosity towards everyone, uh, Rog. And that's how Diego Costa likes playing football. That's how the fans like watching him. how Antonio Conte likes football. Though, in truth, Costa could have had a hat-trick. Yeah. But without a yellow card and having cleated an opponent and got away with it, he yeah. just couldn't finish. Yeah, exactly. He didn't commit any crimes large enough to rebound and score <laughs> a goal from. Chelsea did try to even things up competitively by bringing on Pedro. Yeah. But even he contributed. Uh, yeah, he did. But first of all, Willian scored. And that third Chelsea goal, I would say right up there for me with one of the most attractive goals that Chelsea have scored. Full length of the pitch. Beautiful, uh, beautiful move. Uh, ends up uh, on the left with uh, your man Pedro Rog. He crosses the ball. And Victor Moses, good for Victor Moses. He's had a tough career at Chelsea. Uh, he's been loaned out all over Britain, Rog. And he ends up uh, in the squad, in the team, and on the end of that ball. Fantastic to watch. I mean, it seemed like he played for Chelsea well last when he was the original Moses. And the biblical one was just an Egyptian prince. Yeah. I, I got a particular pleasure in this one. Perverse pleasure. But I don't need to say that, listeners, because they know it will be perverse pleasure for me. It's the only kind I actually enjoy. Watching John Terry mark Andre Gray throughout the game. It was just perfect part. I mean, it was like watching a scene out of the next Despicable Me movie. Conte, another great thing to watch. Watching him in constant motion on the sideline. Never relenting. Just living and dying with every misplaced pass. Chelsea, they, they will beat better teams than Burnley, David. But what was key for Conte was to start the season strongly. You have to say mission accomplished. Yeah, definitely. Two years ago, the last time Chelsea played Burnley in the Premier League, I was at Stamford Bridge at this game. It ended 1-1. An early goal was equalised by a, a header uh, from a corner right in front of the travelling Burnley fans. And, you know, even though Chelsea won the Premier League, it was sort of a sign of everything that was wrong with Mourinho's Chelsea. It was that sort of the players not really going full out. The players are playing full out for Antonio Conte. They are playing attractive football. I tweeted that it's the most attractive football they've played since they were good, since Ranieri was their manager. Chelsea haven't played football like this in a very, very long time. Uh, It's great to watch. 
there still is a useless back four at the back of the whole thing. The Chelsea's problems haven't changed. But when they can get ahead early, when they can score an early goal, uh, and when Eden Hazard is in this kind of uh, form, uh, they're going to be a very good Premier League team. I still don't think they're uh, in the League of the Manchesters, but they're going to be a very good Premier League team. Right? You know, there still is a simmering frustration emitted by Conte about Chelsea's inability to truly bolster his squad with a transfer deadline looming on Wednesday. He's reported to want four new bodies to strengthen that defence, including former Bolton and Sunderland <laughs> Looney, Marcus Alonso. Yeah, I mean, what happens at Chelsea over the next 24 hours will illustrate who ultimately holds the power right now at Stamford Bridge and how serious the title challenge intent really is. Uh, OK, Watford won, Arsenal three. Sustained periods of incisive football see Arsenal claim their first three points of the season. Crisis averted, Rog. A Santi Cazorla penalty, Alexis Sanchez tap-in, and a Mesut Ozil header serve as the proverbial filibuster aimed at keeping the Arsene out lobby quiet through the international break. This is an unrecognisable Arsenal. I think they should always just play on NBC Sports app. When yeah. they're not on American television, they clearly feel less pressure, don't Yeah, they? in black and yellow against the team playing in yellow and black, yeah. Rog. A very, very odd decision. Unrecognisable Arsenal... Mostly because of the jerseys. I mean, yeah. this is the season of Premier League jersey colour polygamy. Mm. Arsenal, who normally play in... Red and white, Rog. Chose to play in their third shirts of... Yellow and black. Against a team who play in... Black and yellow. It makes no sense. I hope it makes sense commercially for Arsenal Football Club because I know Arsenal's worried about making enough money to pay the tea lady yeah. over there at the Emirates. But it was an awful, for me, emotional fan perspective and my lord everyone was watching this game rubberneckers naysayers haters tuning in from all over the globe arsenal with meza Ozil finally back and boy what a difference david they really did finally they were unrecognizable they did it for harvey yeah they did do it for harvey rog uh and look getting performance and a goal from santi gazola again alexis playing right in the middle walcott rog spurned by england uh, this summer, Walcott just playing fantastic football uh, down the right. Fun and, to watch. And Xhaka, so dominant in the yeah, traditionally Xhaka. soft centre of midfield. Xhaka can. Not just the muscle he provided. Passing, so deft. Rob Holding, another standout. Alexis preferred to Giroud up top. And the move paid off within 10 minutes. Oh, yeah, Rog, the new uh, tight calling uh, in the penalty area, Rog. Although I think that this one, Rog, may even have been called... Uh, in previous was, seasons. I think Cam Chancellor would have been proud <laughs> of the hit that Nordin Amrabat yeah. put on old Alexis. 1-0 to Arsenal. The second and Alexis clip back across the box to befuddle the defenders yeah, but on not the Hawkeye. line. Not Hawkeye, Rod. And the third, Dave, on the stroke of half-time. Beautiful pass from Alexis to find Ozil oh, on the old head. Oh, my God. Fantastic pass. Just the fact that he saw... Uh, Ozil making this run amazing telepathy almost between the Chilean and the German fantastic goal Watford tried to make a fight of it in the second half it is an experienced squad they are well organised at the back but the under the radar sluggish start to the season really caused by Troy Deeney and Igalo who've yet to prove that they can release that difficult second album after scoring for fun last season but the good news for Arsenal David it's not just on the field Wenger the purse strings He's making it rain. Finally, Arsene has found those world-class quality players worth spending his own money on and uh, two new signings uh, coming to Arsenal. Yeah, at Hall 24 said, we were beginning to think that Arsenal being linked to strikers is like Kardashians 
being linked to NBA bench players, but mightily Arsenal no more. They've coughed up $68 million on mm, questionable Spanish attacker Lucas Perez and German defender and uh, Everton reject Mustafi, who told the German papers he joined Arsenal because Meza Ujil told him to. I've spoken with Meza. He told me everything. I was quickly convinced because I find the club horny. <laughs> I love that. Sexy, sexy football, uh, Rod. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, I love Perez's, uh, uh, Wenger's uh, comments on Perez. Didn't exactly instill you with confidence uh, talking about that his new striker. He's got a, he's got a good eye for goal. <laughs> he's no Marouane Schumach. Yeah. Uh, Leicester, two. Swansea, one. Rod, normal service resumed. At a rainy King Power Stadium, a perfectly weighted drinky Davardi ball saw the man with the Premier League sharpest incisors open his account. Wes Morgan <laughs> added a second to earn the defending champs their first win of the season. In a deluge at the King Power. I mean, deluge, David. It was like Blade Runner. They cut at game. one point from Stamford Bridge, where it was sunny at the end of the game, up to Leicester, 100 miles up the road. And it was literally going from... Like one climate to another completely climate. It was just it was like it's everything you need to know about the north. It was like going from King's Landing to the wall, Davey. Yeah. Oh, I took him out of the wall because he really looks like he could belong there. Jamie Vardy off the mark. A trademark goal from last season. Over the top behind the defence. Lashing it home. Off the post. And then Mares with his now trademark. The missed penalty. Mm. Missed three out of his last four. Poor Swansea. So muddled this season. It's going to get darker before any kind of dawn in Wales, their next five games, Chelsea, Southampton, Manchester City, Liverpool mm. and Arsenal. Uh, Crystal Palace won, Bournemouth won. Palace leave it to the 93rd minute of their third game to score their first goal of the season. A long-range header from captain Scott Dan sees Alan Pardew's men snatch a point after trailing for most of the game at Selhurst Park. Tough struggle for Palace again. New signing, mm. Christian Benteke, the Eeyore of world-class footballers. He always just seems so down at the world. Grabbed his first start. Mike Dean gave away his requisite. Wow, was that really a penalty penalty? Yeah. Which Artur Boric saved sharply from Kabai. But Scott Dan's injury time equaliser, a huge relief. Fallon Podger, for whom the draw must have been some respite. He was asked by the BBC in his post-match interview, what's your overriding emotion after that goal, Alan? And he looked into the camera and just said, Justice. <laughs> that, that well-known emotion, justice. He's a very... I believe that is an emotion for Alan Pardew. I feel so I believe, today, I David. believe that is an emotion I'm just for o- Alan Pardew. We've both spent some justice. time with the man. Uh, yeah. You know what? It's not an emotion, Alan, but it would be an amazing colleague. <laughs> justice by Alan Pardew. I can justice. imagine that being an amazing... What would it smell of? Uh, sweat. Cedar, sweat and cedarwood. Yeah. Somebody else's cologne, mud. And coffee in a paper cup. Yeah, that stuff, armor all, the stuff you, you clean <laughs> tyres with and make them look really shiny. Okay, Southampton won, Sunderland won. After Jermaine Defoe drew and converted a penalty in the 80th minute, the Saints stormed back behind Jay Rodriguez. Oh, Rog, bless. remember him? The substitute shot found its way under young Jordan Pickford who was in the Sunderland goal in place of the injured Vito Minone. Yeah, I'm sorry for Jordan Pickford because the ball went right through him. But wow, Jay Rodriguez, first Premier League goal since March 2014 after a brutal series of career-threatening injuries. Joyous sight to see his name back on the score sheet. 
Southampton have since broken their transfer record, 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 signing Sofiane Bouffal from Lille for $21 million. Huge relief for Liverpool fans who now know the identity of their starting midfielder <laughs> for the 2017-18 season. Yeah, he could go to Tottenham. You never know, uh, Rod. West Brom nil, Middlesbrough nil, a lifeless, turgid, poolacy oh, it's worse affair. Than that. I know, that had scriptwriters and fans alike pining for the good old days. For the smell of justice Norwich, by Newcastle and Aston Villa. Ugh, terrible game, Rog. At Rad1966 tweeted us and said, Having Surrey in dark call this game, it's like having James Earl Jones deliver morning traffic reports on the radio. <laughs> It'd be very nice to have James Earl Jones do them. And finally, Rog, Everton won, Stoke nil. The, little team the reason can. you're in such a Hull good mood. Hull City, Hull City, Hull City. A Leighton Baines F2-style trick shot penalty, Rog, yeah. off the post. He meant that. Tipped onto the post by Shea Given, coming back off the post onto the back of Shea Given's head and back in. <laughs> he called sees, it. He called it. Justice by Sir Alan Pollard. Sees Everton defend home court at Goodison. The win sends them fourth. Right behind City, Chelsea in United. Rocher, Leo, discuss. Hull City, Hull City. Well, they're just one point above Hull City, incidentally. Oh, Everton, chance after chance created, finishing, lacking precision. Ex of England, Ross Barkley, so talented, so inconsistent. Romelu Lukaku, my lord, what a hunger to score. But it actually undermined the team. He just shot whenever he could, when teammates were better placed. He's not scored in the league since early March, shortly after being interviewed by me. When debutant Ashley Williams threatened, Stokes scrambled the ball off the line with White Walker calm. And then, yeah, the goal. Fortunate, Davo. Everton had a little help from their friends. Yeah. Uh, not sure that I saw the contact that would have made that a penalty, Rog. Seemed that two people just tripped over each other. I agree, Davo. Second week on the run that Stoke have been defanged by referees. Yeah. I feel for them, Mainly Davo. for being Stoke. I mean... In a set piece again, bit of argy-bargy. I mean, Stoke, to me, as a team, this season have become what Diego Costa was at a person last season, just yeah. mark men in the referee's eyes. And after years of getting away with murder, they can't so much as break wind in the box without a referee <laughs> giving a penalty. Twice unfortunate in this game, though, Dave. As you said, Baines's penalty brilliantly pushed onto the post by 78-year-old Shea Given. Yeah. Only to have the ball bounce off the post, onto his head, into the net. It was Benny Hill-style football. Yeah. And that's it. Everton then wilted around the 70-minute mark. Last season, we probably would have lost this game. Seeded two uh, in the final 20. But Ronald Koeman, he's made a huge difference. And the huge difference is in the team's psychological fabric because they rarely look like conceding. And they showed that they're developing a crucial muscle in this Premier League, the ability that you always talk about the ability to close out games. Stecklenburg, or the Steck, as my kids call him, totally magnificent. Yeah. Especially when confronting Arnautovic, whose haircut now looks like a chicken's genitalia. Holgate, what a good player he is, Rog. Love watching him play football. And I would just say the biggest difference for me, watching Everton this season versus last season, didn't watch every game last season, haven't watched every game this season. Going forward, Rog, for the majority of the game, for 70 minutes, uh, they seem to have uh, a bunch of energy and a bunch of options. Morales looks reborn. Looks like he's enjoying his football again, Rod. He's not the only one. Yeah. Three games in, two wins, seven points. Is this happiness feeling a trap, David? A trick? Yeah. A cruel deception? Because I'm ready to marry Ashley Williams right now if he'll have me. I think he will have you, Rod. Oh, I'd love it. 
We'd be very happy together. At the full, has this season already turned into a three-horse race? No. (laughs) No, we're three games in, Rog. I was clutching a table earlier because I wanted to look at last year's table versus this year's table at this time. And Rog says, why are you even looking at a table? That you can't look at a table three games in, Rog. We don't look at a table till at least a week after the international break, Rog. Right? And by the way, at the full, I've got a feeling Everton are going to win it all. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing when Rog goes here. It ends so badly, though. Don't call me Rog. Call me me by my real name. Other Rog. Mr. Ashley Williams. (laughs) Then you get so upset later on. Okay, Rog, time for our togger fantasy football update in proof that Lyndon Gooch is just as good as Zlatan. They earned the same amount of Togger fantasy points I know that because Lyndon Gooch was in my team. Three. Yeah, well, Zlatan was in mine. You started the pair of them up top. Rog, discuss. All I'll say is I can't tell you how much pleasure I've had having my pants pulled down and being given a bare-bottom spanking by thousands of GFOPs on a weekly basis. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, this week I was just punished for my love of America. I did choose Lyndon Gooch. He's Uh listed as a striker. So him instead of Alexis, not so smart, but he's a wonderful man. I'm going to keep picking him. Picked uh, Guzan in goal as well. I have rarely adored my fantasy life more, Dave. And more and more GFOPs are joining every week. I, I love this Togger thing. Yeah, it's great, Rog. Uh, you might have had your pants pulled down. I had my pants pulled down and thrown out the window. Uh, <laughs> basically, I got all of my points from Eden Hazard this week with his whopping 25 and a half points for me. The next best, Eric Bailly, uh, earned me 13 and a half points. Oh, the worst by far. Carl Walker, who's been the backbone of uh, my defence, uh, just one and a half points after he went off injured. GFOPs who are listening, you can still join in and yeah. win. A coveted yeah. Men in Blazers fantasy life patch, which is yeah. being created by uh, the sweatshop workers <laughs> in Zhangzhou province. Yeah, absolutely. International break, Roger, incidentally. The perfect time to sign up for our Togger League. We're only three weeks in. Our season point totals are not yet insurmountable, especially mine and Roger's. And the perfect 11 is a weekly game. So the winner each week gets a special Men in Blazers fantasy patch. This week's winner, Forks Jr., had the foresight to start Jason Punchin, differential, and get all 30 of his points. Forks Jr. had a total of 228 points, Rog. I've had all season. From just, I know, from just 11 players. Uh, your patch will be in the mail soon, Forks Jr. Okay, Rog, also this week, the Champions League group stage matchups were announced. Uh, let's take a look at them. Hot balls in full effect. Yeah. I mean, the Champions League, it was completely fixed before our eyes. Yeah. Roberto Carlos pulled out a ball from the pot and then for no reason just dropped it back into the pot and yeah. decided to restir the balls yeah. and lo and behold mm. the Champions League which has had little to no excitement in the group stage yeah. now features Pep Guardiola returning to the Camp Nou yeah. City drew Barcelona they also got a big clash against Brendan Rodgers mm. and his mighty mighty or not so mighty Celtic mm. we've got just crazy heavyweight matchups Bayern Munich mm. taking on Atletico Madrid in Group D, Real Madrid facing Dortmund in Group F, but kind draws for the other English clubs in the main. Yeah, Leicester, Rog, against Porto Club Bruges. You're talking about Champions League virgin Leicester. Yeah, and Kerbenhagen from Denmark, Rog. And Spurs, Rog, uh, going to Moscow uh, to play Seska, Leverkusen, uh, and Monaco. And Arsenal Rog. appear to have little friction between them and their traditional round of 16 exit. They play PSG, Basil and Ludogorets. Yeah, very good. The Bulgarians, uh, Rog. Okay, real football now, Rog. MLS. MLS. 
In the Western Conference, Seattle's unbeaten streak came to a halt this past rivalry weekend, Rog. They fell to Pacific Northwest rivals Portland four goals to two in the Eastern Conference. A Bradley Wright Phillips goal lifted the Red Bulls over the Revolution and within three points of first place Toronto. The Sounders drubbed 4-2, but perhaps understandably rocked by the shocking human news, not just sporting news, that Clint Dempsey will be out of the team for an unspecified period whilst an irregular heartbeat which was discovered is monitored Mm. and analysed. We wish Nagadoches, Texas's finest, a speedy recovery to full health. Best also to Jossie Zardes, who broke his fifth metatarsal and will be out for the rest of the regular season. Jossie, we know you're listening. We recommend you rehab only at In-N-Out Burger. Highlight of this round for me, Jason Kreis's Orlando City's 2-1 victory over former team NYCFC. In Armageddon-like conditions down in Orlando at the Citrus Bowl. Rod, the heaviest rain I've ever seen any sporting event played under. Outside of Leicester City. Kaka fuel victory. Oh, the 43-year-old coach who was unceremoniously dumped by NYCFC after one season. He must have felt feelings akin to those Aria Stark experienced when she sliced the throat of Walder Frey. Mazeltoff, Kyle Beckerman, all-time MLS field player, minutes leader with 33,145. That's over 23 days of playing MLS football, David. Wow. I made a list of things I've done that long in my life. Three things. You think about what you've done for 23 days straight. I'm worried to hear your answers, Rog. Feeling bleak, Yeah. number one. Uh-huh. Number two, fasting on uh-huh. Yom Kippur. Number three, onanism. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was going to be on the list. <laughs> that was really number one. <laughs> okay, Rog. One American hero, that bloke is. Yeah. Oh, God, got to get that image out of my mind. Okay, two important World Cup qualifiers for the US men's national team this weekend. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann's Kadra take on St. Vincent and the Grenadines Friday. Tuesday, they'll play Trinidad and Tobago in Jacksonville, Florida. If the US wins both these games, they're through to the hex, oh, the, the final hex. stage of the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. No big shocks in the squad. 19 of those initially called in were part of the 23-man Cooper outfit. I honestly would have liked to see a few more new faces. Lyndon Gooch, yeah. Julian Green. It's mm-hmm. great to see Jordan Morris back in a US jersey. And Red Bull Sasha Kleshtan. Yeah, at last. Having a massive MLS season. Late call-up. Hope he gets a real crack. He's rarely been given a chance to truly impress under Jürgen. And he's the loveliest gent in the world. And he truly deserves it. Yeah, the winner of the coveted Guinness Men in Blazers poet philosopher Saka Scribe Raven of the Week is Dave Waite. Dave asks via Facebook, has there been a solo this morally errant since Kylo Ren? Hope Solo discuss. Dave is, of course, referring to Hope Solo's comments after the US Women's National Team lost to Sweden in the Olympic quarterfinals earlier this month. She called the Swedes a bunch of cowards for their defensive approach to the game. Last week, US Saka suspended Solo for six months and terminated her contract. Wow. 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 Yeah. How do you feel about this, Rog? Shocked. Yeah. Not as shocked as, as Hope in her mm. uh, internet release video of her. Yeah, from, from the forthcoming, perhaps ill-thought-out documentary <laughs> that Hope Solo has agreed to film for full screen, the over-the-top app. Uh, studio rod i mean it, it's very complicated it came out of the blue u.s soccer were quick to make this clear this was about the cowards comment in the wake of the loss to sweden which cut against the olympic ideal but not only about that senegalati's official statement 
Taking into consideration the past incidents involving Hope, as well as the private conversations we've had requiring her to conduct herself in a manner befitting a U.S. national team member, U.S. soccer determined that this is the appropriate disciplinary action. God, Senna Galati should be voiceover. Like, I'm amazing. In a world. In a world. Oh, David, Senna Galati beautifully said, I read between the lines that this meant we've been looking to get rid of her for a while. And she gave us the opportunity because she's not coming back. She is not coming back to this team. The U.S. have a number of younger, less controversial alternatives. Alyssa Nia, Ashlyn Harris. And when Hope Solo was dominant, head and shoulders, the greatest goalkeeper uh, in the women's game, whatever she did off the field was just overlooked. Mm. But after an Olympics in which she cocked up in goal and became no longer just a PR liability off the field but fallible on it too, David. As soon as that happened, she was gone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the one thing, it rarely seems that leagues, sporting organisations take disciplinary action this severe unless there's a bunch of pressure coming from someone or some other organisation. And it feels to me that the someone, the other organisation, is probably Hope Solo's teammates or the coach or the people around uh, U.S., women's soccer I must say I'm not sure how I feel about this I feel that you know the equivalency you know we have seen male soccer players suspended for way less time not having their contracts terminated for doing things far worse than she did I also don't like the fact look I don't in any way approve of what she said but I think it's very rare that an athlete goes into the mix zone after any um after any sporting event and ever says anything that's truly on their mind, anything of consequence. And it was after a very, very tough loss. She was very emotional about it. She'd made a mistake and uh, she said something stupid. And I think that, you know, I can't stand the fact that athletes tend to say the same thing again and again and again after games. So I do think she should be censored. Six months seems a very long time. There seems to be a lot of other stuff going on behind the scenes here. I, I agree. There's a double standard at play here. I mean, the coward comment out of a man's mouth would have blown over very quickly. But there's also a double-double standard. I mean, the domestic abuse issue, which keeps looming and won't go away, was underplayed because she's a woman. And to me, the powers that be seized an opportunity to dump up age 35, with the next big tournament on the horizon miles away, 2019 World Cup. And by dumping her, we don't have to have the awkwardness of an official farewell to a player who, 17 years, 102 clean sheets, 202 caps, I mean, remarkable stats, but just a litany of black eyes on the programme through her personal life, and let's just say a slew of bad decisions uh, and moments of ill judgment. To have to celebrate her, would have been a very complicated dance for US soccer to do. And by whacking her out, they can almost get around that. There's a, there is, of course, David, a darker reality. There's a possibility that her treatment was a veiled threat in the ongoing battle for equal pay, in which she was one of the leaders. But on the face of it, we'll only know more once Jill Ellis resurfaces ahead of the September the 15th games against the mighty Thailand and has to address the press. And I've been thinking because there's this movie being made about her, a documentary, this obviously is going to be a pivotal scene within that movie. But you're looking at the end of this film for some kind of a happy ending, and I'm struggling to see what the happy ending, what the hope at the end of this movie can possibly be uh, when you go and watch it. Last season, Hope Solo and Joe Hart, they met in Manchester. They yeah. shot some digital content together. Two yeah. goalkeepers 
on top of their game. I mean, that they've both been ditched in the same week. It's just a reminder of how savage, how brutal, how complex world soccer is, and that to play at your peak is, in the words of the former English Prime Minister, Disraeli, is to reach the top of an incredibly greasy pole. Yes, Rog. Um, Joe Hart, of course, has played the press brilliantly through the whole thing, unlike Hope Solo. She's just issued a statement, incidentally, Rog, announcing that she's ending her season also with Seattle. This is over. Okay, Rog, your international break weekend looks Uh, like this. bloody terrible, mate. Courtesy of Mini USA. On Friday in World Cup qualifying, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, still sounds like a band to me, host the United States at 3.30pm Eastern Time on Be In Sports. And then on Sunday in UEFA World Cup qualifying, wow, Slovakia versus England at noon Eastern Time. The Big Sam's debut. Yeah, that's followed by uh, the Czech Republic versus Northern Ireland, Rog, both those games on ESPN3. Rog. There are many ways. Higher than I I thought. There are many ways to connect to us. One is through our Amazon Emporium, which helps keep the show going. Anytime you go on Amazon for items big or small, just click off the Emporium page. Many places gets a tiny percentage. It allows us to cover the cost of creating the show. What are you putting in the Emporium this week, Rogelio? A book. City of Secrets Mm. by Stuart O'Nan. Short, dark, moody thriller set in post-Second World War Jerusalem, in which a taxi-driving refugee, a survivor of the Holocaust, joins a cell of clandestine freedom fighters against the British occupation is a beautiful, evocative, incredibly sad novel. Very John le Carré, spy who came in from the cold, in which the characters are trapped, less by their perilous occupations, more by the scarring experiences that force them to volunteer for those roles in the first place. I've just made that sound like playing for Sunderland, which I suppose in a way it is. Yeah. Wonderful, Rog. Uh, I'm putting in some tennis racket dampeners, some vibration dampeners, Rog. Finally, my wrist is well enough after two years. I've been playing some tennis again uh, on the grass courts up at my club, having a great time. I'm playing well. One of the reasons I'm able to play with my wrist, and I would say for anybody trying to play tennis over the age of 30, I've got the vibration dampeners. I'm putting three in because they're so good. The Hello Kitty uh, Sports Face, an Apple vibration uh, dampener. The Gamma Sports Zoo Damps vibration dampeners. That's a giraffe, a very very attractive panda bear and then the of course the minion tennis vibration dampener uh, has six different minions there you uh, put them in the bottom of your racket and uh, you won't have any problems with your arm and right. it just makes the makes it make a slightly nicer sound when you hit the ball as well Roger it's always important to me that feedback oh, I have a koala bear on my babalat you do you're a babalat man wouldn't have seen that Roger. If only just wouldn't, stopped using wooden rackets, wouldn't mate. Have seen, I'd, yeah, I'd have seen you as the old Dun- Jack Kramer autograph, man. A, Perhaps a Slazenger challenge. That was a Dunlop Max player. I again. thought, yeah, everybody was back in the day. Even the players who played with other rackets were just painting them as other things. Okay, Rog, there are many other ways to connect to us. One, go to meninblazers.com to sign up for our newsletter. We produce that with our partner Guinness. Follow us on Twitter at meninblazers at embassy davis at Roger Bennett. On Instagram at meninblazers at embassy underscore davies. Follow us on Facebook men in blazers. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Vendor.rog War pig. Who wants to sex Matumbo? Explosure. Courage. Win it for Harvey! Is that your analysis? For one more week only, to see a sucker. Abrigado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu fighting America. Yes, Rog, Kung Fu fighting. Love you, Rog. Love you, Davo. And I hate the international break. <laughs>